Hey everyone, Ben Tringrove here. Welcome back to another episode on the Human Source Codex. Today, Kelly and I go down the rabbit hole of something that's been on my mind lately. Um, she did bring it up to my attention a few weeks ago around entrepreneurs. And it's certainly been something that's been difficult on my journey of um, being you know, self-employed or, or as an entrepreneur. And the title of today's podcast is Narcissistic, Overly Optimistic, entrepreneurs and, uh, and and which also gives a sense of, of entitlement and uh, so I, I go and ask the questions to Kelly you know is it generational what's showing up and uh, non-surprisingly Kelly does mention that uh, entrepreneurs that are overly optimistic it's, you know it's the number one thing that undermines uh, their growth in business so if that sounds interesting to you, you are an entrepreneur or you have interest in those realms, which, can, which is connected to business and finance and purpose, then uh, you'll love what we get into in this in this episode. So we'll cue the theme song and we'll get into it. So the big question is this, how do truth-seeking entrepreneurs like us sift through the gurus and teachers that persuade us through hype by promoting half-truths? How do we as inspired individuals raise our awareness so we can access ever greater levels of achievement and fulfillment? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ben Trengrove and welcome to the Human Source Codex with co-host Kelly Stewart. This is probably something that I've, I've come across more naturally since knowing you, Kelly. Um, you brought up to me a couple of weeks ago and I've been ruminating on it, so to speak, is this whole... You know, entrepreneurs are overly um, optimistic. And when we look at my journey over the last, let's just say, year, the title of this podcast that I wanted to call it was, um, you know, narcissistic, overly optimistic, entitled entrepreneurism. <laughs> There's quite a few labels in that one. There is. There is. <laughs> and so to a degree, I'd like to unpack um you know, whether it's generational, my generation, and, and just we'll just start to unpack it in, in, in terms of perhaps we look at narcissism, entitlement, and um, over optimism, you know, being over optimistic. Perhaps we would jump into those labels first and then see what rabbit hole that takes us down. Overly optimistic. Number one thing that kills business is optimism, right? And the propensity or the proclivity to actually negate the pessimistic side of things, right? Because it's it's polarizing a belief system. And to be overly optimistic, you're actually negating, you know, the the risks of uh, of creating a business or being an entrepreneur. You know, you you're just being in that uh, entire I call it entitlement of optimism where you have these expectations like because you've been preconditioned to actually be uh, consistently thinking positive all the time, right? And so I just find that really fascinating. And, you know, there's a beautiful uh, guy called Keith Cunningham. I love his books, The Road to Stupid. And you go back and actually look at those that have actually been in business for a long time or an entrepreneurs or large corporations, they really understand this concept that uh, optimism kills business. And so those that are, are, are able to achieve in entrepreneurship are conscious to that. So I think I'd rather actually look at what, optimism does create and the service of optimism if you have an awareness to it is that wisdom is to make sure that you have the pessimism actually attached or integrated with it too as well which you could say is to look at the risks and um, like the threats of anything to actually having a business or growing a business it's not to negate those specific things now being overly optimistic and having uh, a polarization of optimism you also want to look at what that causes or creates. Creates laziness, right? It also causes and creates creates fantasies, but it also causes and creates for those that are in management level to have to micromanage their people, right? Because, and they're doing it, really optimism is a motivational technique, like it's extrinsic. 
<clears throat> so it's not actually coming from an intrinsic uh, standpoint within the human condition. Mm, that, that's, um, that leads on to the, the thought of, you know, that, that book that I'm reading at the moment, Conscious Capitalism, into the chapter fourth on, on, on teamwork. And um, if anything, that's just really more made me more aware, and I guess you call it sold me on the aspect of how the, the importance of having a business or developing a business as an entrepreneur that is more highly conscious. And I used to look at business in the terms of, you know, I come from a family that's quite lifestyle driven and dad's built a successful business financially that's lifestyle driven. Um, but if you asked him what his purpose was, could he just rattle off quickly or, you know, is he mission driven, vision, mission, vision driven? And so I've kind of grown up and then in, in the same world of, of business and learning from, you know, marketers and different leaders that yeah, business was an ends to a mean, uh, a, a mean, an ends to a mean in regards to a lifestyle or just for self. And this business, this book really put into perspective just the impact that you can have on humanity and still do well for yourself. You know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, have your cake and eat it too. So it's just bringing a heightened awareness to it, which has certainly helped. Well, I'm grateful that you're finally reading that book and um, that I recommended it to you. Actually, I said you need to read this book if you're going to continue to actually work with me. Because yeah. in the aspect of um, in, in purpose, mission-driven entrepreneurship or purpose organisms or organisations, they're the ones that are most sustainable in, in society. <clears throat> and we want to look at the, really what that means. It is what I call a collective mentality or a we mentality or a we consciousness where it's not just I, because when we, we're just sitting in the I and we go into business just for self, then, you know, that's a polarization. We could say that is overly narcissistic in a way. Those businesses are less sustainable because they get the feedback in terms of, of the polarity too. But though those who are actually now conscious to creating a conscious driven model for their businesses where it is service to self, but also service to others. And those are interdependent of each other. They are not separate, right? And in this specific model of conscious entrepreneurship, it's about, uh, we see that uh, the money side of things is the effect, not the cause. But in the other model that has been traditional throughout time, we say that money is the, really the cause and then the business is the effect. So they're profit driven, right? We're not saying that profits are not part of it, but we're looking at it, we, we actually derive uh, profits consciously. And therefore there is also a proclivity to actually understand that those who are in the hierarchy of business uh, they have a conscious understanding when enough is enough, right? They also have an understanding that there is a propensity or proclivity for those that are in the other models of narcissistic um, entrepreneurship. They also tend to create addictive behaviours. And the conscious model is having an awareness around our zones of self-governance. And so therefore we only take what we need to be able to be sustainable while we have this time on planet. But yet we create an organism as the business that will be legacy based to be able to go on and serve others over greater periods of time. In the model that it is inequity or what I call a non-zero sum game in business where I've developed a model called the, the eighth way or the win to the power of eight, right? where it's, it's a win, win, win situation in all directions. So it's more about integrative stakeholding into a conscious model as opposed to shareholders. So each person uh, that becomes a part of the organism is a stakeholder within it, but they understand the non-zero-sum game in that. So it creates a flow consciousness bet between all stakeholders. Mm -hmm. 
you mentioned um you mentioned an interesting uh, point before that perhaps we go down the rabbit hole while, and which is um when you're discussing being overly optimistic um and it's this and it's this propensity towards and this is what showed up for me as well seeking pleasure and avoiding pain and do you really do you think that shows up more in my generation than it does in yours or across the board it it, it shows i can't say across the board because i know that there is an, there's a balance in nature that creates exactly what you're talking about through the laws of heuristic escalation but what i have noticed is that there's less of an understanding from creating an equitable model in in self and in business right where there tends to be more voids that are actually driving the, the pleasure aspect in in humans these days and we could say that the, the conditioning of um, you know hedonic adaptation uh, throughout time has also created that we become more addicted to instant gratification so therefore we can't handle challenge or we can't handle stress or we can't handle pain to the degree that we we uh, were once actually designed for right because through we could say teachings education uh, you know, subordinations to belief systems has actually we have become the effect of that mm -hmm. but when you when you talk about correct me if I'm wrong, hedonic uh, adaptation, this is the becoming desensitized to essentially that um, instant gratification. So you're seeking either more and more or different forms to be able to get the same hit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is this has been, again, so like if, if you have a void on money, and so therefore, you're going to want, to, like, I know that this has been uh, part of your challenge is to be able to have the perception that money is actually going to save you from something right sure right so therefore that creates a pain or a void within you and so the attachment to that form is is that i've got to i've got to be able to get paid um or create or receive money but yet i don't want to do the work for it mm. i just want to have it mm. so the pain that's directly proportionate to the actuality of actually receiving is out of order. And mm -hmm. we see this these days, like um, I hate to say it, but Australia is such, a, such an oversupported country where you don't have to go to work, but the government won't actually pay you, right? So it's creating exactly what we're talking about. And so therefore, because of our, our human condition, and our propensity to be able to, or proclivity to be addicted towards dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, um, the feel-good drugs, then we become lazy. Mm -hmm. And that's why, and, and again, through my lens, it's, you know, after World War One, World War Two, and, you know, the 60s and 70s had, it became this, um, at least in my experience, you know, parents wanting to give everything that they didn't have so to speak or the grandparents didn't have and then you know I was watching the Simon Sinek um, TED talk a while back and a lot of the millennials and, and um, Gen Y getting slammed because we're um, lazy so to speak and, and a few other things I'm, par I'm paraphrasing but the essence of being we were brought up in a certain environment and you said over supported um, and when we look at what really creates strong um entrepreneurs or, or the people that have really done done well you look at their backstory and they all come from quite a lot of struggle and you know struggle is the opposite of being over supported um and then we both know that maximum growth happens at the border of support and and, and, and challenge so one thing that i've has probably been one of if not the biggest things that i've become grateful for in the last year is having someone in my life which is you to be the form to show up for me of, of accountability and uh, we'll call it uncomfortable or awkward conversation sometimes because I have been indoctrinated into a, an environment that is supportive or a bias towards being over supported. So if I was to mentor or 
talk to any entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs is to either show up as that person for them or highly recommend to have someone in their life that can have those difficult conversations because I've gone from program to program, course to course, and it's almost never do you get these hard conversations. It's always this, it's this environment of overly optimistic people saying, you know, I come from the coaching consulting world, how to hit eight figures a year. And as you and I know for coaches, barely almost all of them struggle to make a full-time income, let alone consultants as well. So it's, yeah, it's just really looking at that and, and, and bringing reality back into what someone wants well, to create. Again, if you want to look at the, the, we can look at a few things here. Like um, as the human condition, because we are predisposed or preconditioned to actually, you know, seek pleasure. And so when you look at the motivational techniques being out used from the very things that you've just talked about, it creates yep. a dependency. And sure. so over support also causes juvenile dependency as well. So those who are conscious to that, we could say in a narcissistic form that have an awareness, they're going to utilize that to be able to, you know, create an income. Mm -hmm. We could call that marketing. We can call it subliminal marketing in, in multiple different formats that whatever is that we can actually cre you know, create that's going to sell something to somebody, hold them there as a, as a client for as long as they possibly can. Like we will all hear about client acquisition and like length of time as a client, like how, how can we actually onboard that client and how long can we keep them in the system for, right? So it's a model in business and, um, and it's, it's, it's directly proportionate to understanding the neurochemistry inside the human and how to actually polarize that to keep a dependency which is not right or wrong. It's, it's just being used in business these days. But for me, when you have an awareness to that, um, and I prefer to actually use uh, more of an equity-based way of marketing where you can make an objective decision, whether you choose to actually be in our association or organisation. And it's not me creating dependency to have you because that in itself is also then mirroring the, a dependency inside of like this EO or the CEO, COOs, et cetera. Um, and that is what I call an unconscious organism, right? Plus it's partly so, also scarcity, right? In, in my view, it's a scarcity mindset of well, how many people on the planet. And, you know, if you're wanting to, be, to keep someone in your cycle for so long, depending on how large your business is and how many customers, there's a lot of people that can still be served. Again, depending if you're lo local based or if you're online, there are some parameters to that, but yeah. What was your reference to that? that does... Re reference that of the scarcity mindset of, of the model of, at least again, through my experience, it's if I only needed 40 customers a year at whatever sum it was that, that I wanted to achieve, let's just say it was financially, thinking, oh, can I keep them in from year to year? Or as a personal trainer, this used to be very true. You know, it was how long can you keep a client for, so to speak. Um, but there, it, was a, it was a scarcity mindset because it's like, do I have lead generation? Can I effectively sell new clients? It was more this lack of mindset coming in rather than going, okay, let me educate you. Let me get you to a point where you're sustainable without me as the, as the mentor, so to speak. Um, that's the world that I've come from. And that's still what I see, see massively as well. Well, it, it, again, we can look at um, if, if there is an understanding or a comprehension in how to actually work with the neurochemistry within a human, you can sway it in a direction that's going to make it feel good or feel bad in like polarization terms. Now, throughout time, this is heaven and hell, really, the full construct of religion. That has been, we could say that we're conditioned by that to avoid hell, seek heaven, avoid the nightmare, have create a fantasy, to avoid pain, seek pleasure. But in the true essence of growth, if we come back to the construct of nature, nothing ever grows without any form of challenge, right? A tree does not grow to the sun 
without having the challenge of, you know, drought, fire, wind, uh, you know, excess rain, etc. Does it? Mm. But yet we have this expectation around humans or businesses to be able to grow without these challenges, which is just unrealistic. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it's wisdom to understand that there is to look for a balance of challenge and support. Like you said, maximum growth occurs at the border of support and challenge and to embrace the challenges as they do come in. But the thing is that actually stops a human from embracing challenges is the inability to understand what their teleology is. What is their purpose? What is their why? What is their mission and vision here on the planet? And if they are just a cog in the system that has gone through the conditioning of, you know, be a taxpayer, go and get a job, da 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 da, and they're living in the subordination of their parents' expectations, then that's going to actually create depressive cycles, which they're going to actually start looking for, uh, you know, ways out of that, we could say dependencies. Uh, you know, that's where addictions and these particular things start to actually occur. But the number one thing is, and this is what we have in a conscious, um, conscious business model, is we have a why. We have a telos to the business. And the business is an organism on its own that has a purpose, just like every human has a purpose. So therefore, we, I prefer to actually build a conscious businesses that are purpose-driven with their telos that is clear to be of service to humanity mm -hmm. you know i kind of I, when you say say that to me i kind of I, I smile and i smile because again it just takes me back to this um not not what you're referencing to but people misinterpreting that sometimes and then go way altruistic and go to this to the form of uh, humanity and purpose driven and all this, but then they they miss, they miss the other side. Like they'll they'll quite often sway both ways, and this has shown up in the form of you know I was living in um, Bali and I was doing some outreach with in a couple of groups. One one of them was the Tony Robbins groups, and I was talking to a a girl in there doing some prospecting, and um, you know she I'm, I'm going to do this business and this business and this business and 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 I was trying to get down to the real crux of like, okay, great. Well, why do you want to do that? And it was all just, not only was it so scattered and esoteric, there was not, there was no substance really coming through on it. So it's kind of like, I've found that people either get swung way towards just fantasy and in, in, in an altruistic state or fantasy in a real narcissistic state. Again, this is just from my view. It's pretty rare that I ever come across people, you being one that, come from a real state of neutrality knowing that there's both sides and part of that is acquiring a level of um reflective awareness i almost say it in every podcast now because reflective awareness has been huge in my transformation and, and um growth through life yeah well we look a conscious business a conscious you know organism conscious business organism it has an understanding that there's a vitalistic there's a vitalistic component and a mechanistic component. So there is a spiritual aspect we could say is a vitalistic, which could be also considered. You know, this is just different um, wording or nomenclature in terms of the way that we may present words, right? So, you know, you talk about spiritualism, and you say that that what, it just didn't have any substance. And so, therefore, it was missing the mechanistic side of things, right? But sure. it's a spirit. It's a spirit that is the true essence of, like, a, of business, which is really your teleology, your why, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And then the mechanistic is the actual cogs that actually run inside of the business, right? Through the seven areas of life that we talk about when we can fully integrate and they see that they're interdependent of each other, they're not separate. That is when we have like the non-zero sum game that actually occurs. Now, money and finances, or, you know, we can call it capitalism, is inside of that. 
You know, it's not separate from it. We don't label it as being bad. It's a form of energy that's required to actually keep the organism alive, right? It's no different from putting fuel in your car. So it, it, is, it is part of that, but it's not all of it. And it's not the one thing that actually derives the, the achievement of the business or the, the, you know, the transformation or the transcendence of a business. It's not the one thing. We mm-hmm. don't separate that off, right? We don't separate that off as like the key performance indicator that we gauge that the business is actually, you know, going. There's multiple other factors that are integrated and inter- interpe- interdependent with that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. And it's, it's, it's yeah coming into the into the model or understanding of the model of, of again this conscious capitalism one thing that I, I mentioned to you and um, I think you agree on Kelly is is this real ability and awareness to emotional intelligence which mm-hmm. starts at you know you bring into the, the different things of you know what is your axiology and teleology teaching and consulting on reflective awareness to even make a start on because Again, as I said to you the other day, there's there's not there surely isn't a lack of strategies and tactics in the world and not through knowledge. But in order to implement those strategies and tactics, especially if you're more self-employed uh, as an entrepreneur, you require a real level of emotional intelligence to get it implemented because fears come in, unknown traits come in, judgments come in that stop you, you know, implementing it, past business failures that you haven't integrated comes in. There is such a, um, a huge piece that I see missing in the space um, of, of the, we'll call it the foundation to get started. Well, let's just reframe it, right? To the aspect of, I hear the word human resources that are, you know, we hear HR managers, HR, da, 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 right? And so there's an aspect of um, that is getting the people Right, we hear, we've got to get the people right in the business, right? So we have these human resources. But even that in itself, you know, like blows me away. It's like, oh, you just, you're looking at the humans as resources in the business. So there's a separation straight up. Yeah. That they're, there's a sep- that they're separate to the business, they're resource to actually, but what if we actually just shifted it to see humans as the source? Mm, yeah, I love yeah, I love that concept. And this is part of the reason why we have the human source code, right? Is because when we really can get into understanding that the building and running of a business is a, is could be treated as a personal waking above and beyond just earning a living. Yeah. Then we can see that when we have purposeful aligned humans. They become sources to actually grow business. Yeah. And what also comes from sources of energy to grow business is creativity and innovation. Mm-hmm. How much and we, we, we require creativity and innovation, which is also nested with challenges within those particular things to be able to, to, be able to transform, transcend and to grow. Yeah. Yep. and evolve actually mm-hmm. nature nature is abhorring a vacuum consistently so when we can see the business and our humans inside the business as a source to be able to help an evolutionary process then everything will actually be in equity and it will actually grow mm-hmm. and this is where we, we we see the aspect of like neg entropy actually occurring as opposed to entropy mm-hmm. And so when I go in and look at the, a business and I can see the, you know, the entropy that's occurring, I can see the disassociation, the disharmony, the, the independence between, between sec, you know, sectors as such, right? Mm. The, the, the polarity between, we could say, the CEO and, you know, the, the admin section. And because there is this particular aspects of consciousness or belief systems that are having this top-down approach or looking down approach and putting themselves up, which is a narcissistic model, right? 
and and treating those as lesser than them underneath them that they haven't deserved to actually get to certain layers but Mm. But they're not, they're not actually looking at like or aligning the human as a source relative to their value here within inside of the organism. Yeah. And I'm really moving towards holocracies in the model of like conscious business. And because this is where we see uh, relatively high levels of transformation and evolution. It's sustainable. This is, it really it also has a ripple effect and um, it also has a greater level of service to to the planet and humanity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know um I don't know their model but mine Valley is a great example of you know I remember they had a um, they put out basically I don't think it was an ad but like a competition in order to apply to work at mine Valley and they built such this um, this beautiful culture that they had thousands of people applying for a certain job or a couple of jobs. And because again, they built this, this, this culture to work there. Um, I just wanted to chuck that in there. And, you know, I just had a, had the thought of, um, Oh no, it's slipping my mind. It'll come to me. Well, imagine, imagine a business or a, um, a conscious organism organization where you had the people, the human sources that didn't want to leave. Yeah. Within that. And that yeah. they were fully invested within inside of that organization because they felt like it was themselves or yeah. it was, it was their theirs. Yeah, not, you in mean- the, not in the aspects of separation that mine and theirs that they have this we consciousness. Mm. You know, even, even the, like the, the greatest investors in the world, like Warren Buffett, he knew this. The only companies that he ever invested in were the ones that he could go on the ground for, walk in and the people would say, uh, this is our business. This is not the company that I work for. That's separation. This is our, so they were invested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. There's was, there was a, a word you mentioned before holacracy and um again my awareness my i've got such more of a heightened awareness to this now is the aspect and i mentioned the other day i don't think it was on a podcast to you kelly of the whole seven areas of life you know through my reading and, and, and direct experience over the last you know five to ten years again i came through looking at business through the lens of oh well you just need to you know you look at it as a plane in order for in order to, in order for the plane to take off, it just needs to be full throttle until you have momentum. The business takes off, and I perceive that to be okay. All areas of our other life need to be basically no focus. All your focus needs to be on business. This is the way I interpret it, and was quite often sold to. But the thing that kept getting slapped in my face and others is health was falling apart, relationships were falling apart, and as soon as relationships start falling apart what you you know guilt and shame might come up well how's guilt and shame going to operate in the business health might start start falling apart well if you're not sleeping very well and you're drinking a lot of coffee and you've got the adrenals going how's that going to help you with decision making because you're just so stressed with your adrenal adrenal fatigues so again it becomes this real um integrative approach on having all areas of life come up come up together which for me is a bit of, um, it seems like a bit of a paradox because everything I've learned was like, no, you just focus on business to get it where it's going and then you focus on other areas of life. And the thing is, you see other successful entrepreneurs and and businesses that look from the outside, that they're all business and not focusing on other areas of life. I guess the question becomes, are you polarized to business or do you care about also having balance and relationships, your health and other areas? Depends how conscious you are, right? What's your level of awareness? And uh, as we actually grow or emerge through stages of development in terms of our consciousness, then we're going to have different levels of awareness. You're 30, right? 30 years old. And so the, the construct of teaching is that, which you can see there's a separation between vitalistic and mechanistic. So you were sold the 
mechanistic approach, right? Totally. Without without the conscious awareness to the vitalistic side of things. Those sure. two are, are not separated in space and time ever. But it's also maybe easily governed for mm -hmm. sure. Easily easily governed without that approach. And <laughs> it's just quite funny looking back on it because you know, especially when I had my touch network marketing for a while, shit where you sold the red pill on like, you know, get rich and have this lifestyle work for self and oh man have I had a journey but um it's been it's been a fulfilling one in the sense of direct experience and learning and um you're my probably my biggest vitalistic wake-up call when I meet you because you're not the opposite of mechanistic but you're very integrative and in looking at both sides um and that's what's probably brought my heightened awareness to the aspect of all areas of life um and, and how important it is but it's also helped with having such a void on finances and perceptually not getting it to where I wanted it to be, um, which has further woke me up to going, okay, what am I doing wrong, so to speak? Or what have I not owned? Or what am I not integrating? Um, so that's, that's been a, a, a journey. Yep. And it's beautiful to have that journey too. Like I say, it's not right or wrong because we also require the contrast to understand the level of consciousness to where we are at. And so by having that direct experience, now you derive the wisdom from it. And as so have I throughout my time in, in um, entrepreneurship too as well. And, and I, I'm still not like 100% there. I never will be. You know, it's a, it's a conscient, conscious, consistent journey, right? And I'm on the journey every day. And But my teleology is to be able to do it with a highest level of consciousness so with all the the learning and the the training and the the wisdom that i've actually received along the way you know i have different methodologies to be able to assist me to be able to bring myself into greater levels of consciousness and um, these are the things that we are now teaching others and training others within side of business organizations to understand and how to actually utilize that themselves, right? So that they can uh, be able to bring themselves to greater levels of awareness in directional, I just call it vector directions and bring able to, in, to integrate all of these particular areas, mm -hmm. but to, to be able to see it as it's occurring, but not also to be attached to just, you know, the, the main construct of every day, every Thing, you know that you go to work you earn money in that right? mm, mm. That's, that's the lowest form of survival mm -hmm. so we want to actually shift the level of consciousness and the awareness to how can we be of service and then the, the receiving in fair exchange of energy which one part is could be money but like i keep coming back to this multiple different aspects of what it is that you may be receiving back in return in fair exchange and bringing those to awareness as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when we've talked on other, on past pod podcasts about, you know, how we do filter our reality through our voids and values, but how that can also distort the information that we read because we're, we're attached to a certain form. And my one was certainly money. They're con confirmation biases, right? Based on your perceptions sure. at the time or what you perceive that you don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, that's what creates value towards that direction, which is driven by void. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but, but coming back to, you know, where you started off as being overly optimistic and, and being sold to be overly optimistic. Oh, you know, I'm optimistic that that's going to actually occur. Right. And that does create a level of um, entitlement to that. Because mm. there's a belief system that we're being sold through optimism that uh, that's, that's what you should be getting or should yeah. be receiving or should, 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 right? Yeah. So anytime I, I hear those words, we know that it is an injected authority from somebody else, but it's not actuality in that format. Mm. This so is we want to bring into awareness, like we keep coming back to once if you have a purpose-driven organization that is actually, you know, has a beautiful telos that everything's aligned with that, 
then you go in and you look at your objectives objectively with uh, both sides of the coin, optimism and pessimism, which we could say is that we want to look at the risks to the business as well and bring them into awareness, bring them conscious. We don't want to just put out and polarise to one side, oh, here's our goals, da 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 and without looking at the threats and the risks. There's, um, you know, this is where it starts to really go down the rabbit hole, but, the, you know, what you say, what we're, what we're sold to, and I had a little of that mini brain explosion when I, I think it was from you, learned the etymology of government with, with govern and ment and then mentis, which is, you know, govern is essentially control and ment, mentis is mind, you know, mind control. And I just find it amazing that, you know, we have grown up in a society and, and, and with these belief systems of, wasn't, isn't positive better than negative and isn't pleasure better than pain? And I think I heard from Tony Robbins the quote of you know when we're when we're when we um, when we party when we're going su successful in business or life we tend to party, and when things aren't going so well we tend to ponder, and in that ponder is when we are usually seeking the growth or we have the growth, and for someone to really stop and think, oh what are the benefits of let's just say um, we'll just call it negativity or or reflection. You know, what is that? And whenever I look back on my biggest times of reflection or fulfillment or growth is in times of hard or perceived hardship or uh, perceived pain, right? Um, so when you, that is usually well, my aspect, the, the first step to really get an awareness of going, okay, let me look at goals objectively. Because if you don't have the belief system that both negative well, negative serves, then it's very hard to have the belief system to go, oh, let me look at my goals objectively because you don't you have the belief system that negative serves. Do you get what I mean? That's been my journey anyway. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we can unpack that and just simplify it, you know, through religion, heaven and hell. Avoid hell, seek heaven. Right? Yeah. And yeah. If, you, if you're a good boy, you're going to go to heaven. If you're a bad boy, you're going to go to hell. So you avoid being bad. Yeah, yeah. And I'm polarizing the fuck out of this at the minute, right? Just to, yeah. to bring awareness to it. But we could also, you know, fuck, you know, we all have moments of, of being completely fucked up, fucked upness, not right. And, and so what do we, what do we do? Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my shit completely. So we become, I can't do that because we have this judgment that we've been sold or told or conditioned throughout time. It's not a good girl to actually lose your shit. You know, like yeah, girls can't yeah. do that in public. Yeah and yeah. behave yourself right come behave yourself back into the construct of what societal belief systems is the behavior that you, you should be mm, mm. but yeah. in essence we're avoiding the the pure element of human human humanity like i have this beautiful elias that we've done a podcast mm. with. he has this he calls it humanity and i love that word so i'm stealing that elias um in, in human, humancy is be all the aspects of that. But it's understanding the polarity of expression within, the, within that construct is, if you're gonna lose your shit, then are you gonna take it out to the 15 to one ratio? That's, that's polarized. So you know you that you're gonna get the other side. But if you, can, if you can lose your shit within the seven to one ratio, and stay within that, but draw the wisdom and embrace the, the feelings and the expressions and the emotions and all of those particular things that actually come from that instead of trying to negate it. Holy shit balls. What the fuck comes out of that is so beautiful, right? And so it's honoring us in our, in our human form mm -hmm. to be able to, which is our unconscious subconscious animal, which is within us, which is, there to serve us with a purpose. It's driving us back to our higher-minded soul, mm -hmm. bringing mm -hmm. us back to the essence of, bringing us back to the essence of uh, realigning to what our core purpose is, mm -hmm. our soul-driven mission, right? So, and the moment you come back into that lane of being in, in 
line or entangled uh, in being congruent with that, that's where the flow starts to happen. And in the essence of the energy of vibration of that is fulfillment. So the purpose of, of being negative is to bring you back to your telos. Mm. <laughs> and to provide you with the wisdom and all the messages for you to be able to take it into your telos and to help you grow and help you ascend or transform or you know transcend to another layer of awareness. Mm. Mm. Not to um, ruffle some feathers here, but it's, it's funny, you know, brought up the memory again of being attached to forms. And I had an interesting conversation the weekend around um, smoking. You know, I, in Bali or now and again, I, I might have a, a smoke, especially if I'm trying to get into a bit more of a deeper thinking state and walking, it, it gets me there. But when we are really attached to health or life itself as a homo sapien, we just label smoking as bad and that's all it is. Now, in terms of health, if you were to polarize smoking and have a packet a day, then yes, wisdom would say that's not the wisest thing for your physical health. But another way to also look at it is, well, how is smoking actually serving me when I do have it? Is it to get through a little short of a stressful period? Does it help me connect socially? You got to remember that when we're looking at forms, there's different forms throughout life. Does it help me financially because it actually helps me skip a meal so I don't spend money on a meal? Just when we can open up our per perception, we lower the judgment. And when you said before, Kelly, holy shit balls, when we go through life, through experiencing all forms of motion, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's essentially it's not having the judgment on it. We don't have the judgment on it. We're not falling into shames and guilts and all this other stuff. And as you, as we teach in the Inception Masterclass, you know, shame, when we're looking at the quantum energetic level, shame is one of or the lowest vibrational energies that we can be in, right? And we're dense. And I know that through direct experience for sure. Yeah, I think I was yelling at you last week, calling you a dense motherfucker, wasn't I? So yeah. in, in, to be able to give you an electric shock to wake you up to the denseness and to a traditional, you know, therapists or consultants or psychologists or, you know, facilitators probably wouldn't, would refrain from going there through the projection of you can't do that because that's wrong to speak to somebody in that form. But no, it's just a vibration and a frequency of energy matching yours to actually bring you into awareness. Now, this is something that I actually did learn to, um, in all my years of actually working with horses, because dealing with the animal mind at that form taught me a lot. And to be able to communicate effectively to them, it was about uh, a polarizing, two polarizations of pressure, which we could say is a vibration and frequency. So if I had a horse that was being ornery, that was, um, you know, we could say big hard-minded or bloody-minded or pig-headed or, you know, these are all labels or, or a dense motherfucker, is that there would be an element of pressure that we would have to just go one octave a little higher on that. And so therefore we're using, you know, uh, elements of, let's just say physics here, we're using one octave higher to be able to have that polarized to one lower, right? So you have to understand where that person or that animal is in terms of vibration. And if you want to shift that, then it's knowing where to actually play in the scales. And so with you, when we had that little, uh, you know, session, you know, I went one octave higher and then I went two octave higher and I went three octave higher to be able to get you to wake up. And then the moment that you did wake up, then I came back to neutrality with you, right? Mm, mm. And so there's a release in that to match that. And then that's where the understanding actually does occur. So that's in animal training. And so that because you were deep in the animal construct in the animal mind, so therefore I was playing and not playing, but utilizing all elements of what nature has given us to be able to change and transform humans and animals in that format. Yeah. Yeah, so this but this is where the power of what you just said comes in that that was heavily a conscious thing. 
now because i know you're going a bit abstract there so i'm trying to play the devil's advocate so to speak in the aspect that people already do this unconsciously and again correct me if i'm wrong oh someone's trying to call me um that people already unconsciously do this in the form of you know husband comes home from a hard day's work and is down wife sees this through either body language or, or tone and she's there to lift them up is this the same thing that you, you you're meaning really essentially but it's an it's typically more of an unconscious thing so people are already doing this but when you can do it to, to let's just call it play with this skill or play with this tool or consciously use it you just you're elevated in your awareness and your ability you're unconditioned in your awareness and your ability so you're therefore no longer subordinating to the conditions of belief systems or society you're right. you're unconditioned and relative um, unconditioned and in alignment with nature so therefore that's when you can have the greatest effect or the greatest element of transformation of self and other yeah yeah i like that one it was so a, um, it's a non-zero-sum game in every form win-win win-win-win yeah. There was something that you mentioned before. I just um, I made a note because I think it might bring some value. I think it was um, it really helped me actually. I believe I I had heard it from um, John Di Martini in Indifference that when you're when you've learnt some form new form of knowledge, or you've which means you've shifted your paradigm so to speak on how you see the world, you go through a little bit of a period where you're going shit. I've just learnt something new that I believe in but you're still operating your old way and you go through the, is indifference the right word, Kelly? Yeah, I'm talking about, no, what, what was that word? A bit of a, like a manic state as you're trying to transition. You obviously know what I'm well, referring to. Oh, can you give a little bit more context? So, so when I used to, when I, well, because I love learning so much, I would go through these manic states because I would learn something and be like, oh, that's really shifted the way I see the world but I'm trying to operate in this new way I see life, my habits and where I have been operating are over here. So you go through this transition period of a little bit of chaos as you try and make your, inform your life over into this new paradigm. And quite often, and it used to bring a lot of judgment because I'm like, why, you know, I've learned something over here and I'm not quite there yet. And you're going through this bit of this chaos, chaotic um, place until you reach there. Until I heard um, John discuss basically, or when you have, you have the pleasure of learning some new information that you want to base your life around, but you have the, the, the discomfort of still acting and operating over here. So you're going through this bit of this transition phase. So in, the, in John's construct, there's infatuation, indifference and resentment, right? So that is, that is build, maintain, destroy, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. So the three elements of change. Right. For you to be able to firstly want to actually change, you have to become infatuated with something. Right? And so therefore it's a void that you don't have within your life. So you want to bring it into your life. So you therefore create value on it. And then as you, we were talking about this last night, just imagine that we have these buckets, right? And so therefore now we're infatuated with something that we want to bring into our life. So therefore we, we need to fill the bucket full of whatever that may be. So therefore, once the bucket becomes to, you know, almost full, we have, we're indifferent to it. And then once the bucket is full, you know, like then it's almost like we then shift it to resentment because it's done. And then we go again, right? So that's a, the, the element of transformation. So in relationships, we can say infatuation breeds resentment. Infatuation, fantasy, breeds a nightmare. Right. So if you get into a relationship, if you get into a relationship with somebody, you're like, you're, you're infatuated with them and, you know, you're not seeing the downsides of that person in, in the moment, you're only seeing the upsides. Right. So we could say that this is optimism in business and optimism in relationships. So infatuation, but we, we do require an element of infatuation to, be, to create. So, but still having the awareness of that. And then once we've been in a relationship for somebody for a period of time, we become indifferent to them, right? We start to actually see, you know, both sides of that person and therefore, you know, it flattens out the honeymoon phase and we become, you know, 
in a place of where we, we just respect each other or don't respect it. And then we tip over into resentment. So then we start to see the downsides of that particular person, right? Then we start to actually see like um, the threats in business if we've been over optimistic or infatuated, you know, et cetera, same thing. So the resentment is there to actually bring us back to uh, reality or actuality. Mm. both sides so those three things really are not separated if you can bring them together optimism pessimism infatuation resentment fantasy nightmare whatever you bring conscious in the moment then you can actually see both sides and make a objective decision making process which lessens your attachment and lessens your emotion emotionality therefore you can flow with what is Oh, you've birthed a bunch of questions now here, Kelly. <laughs> How if, 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 so I understand that was a great, um, a great uh, explanation and analogies there. So as far as infatuation is required to a level of creation, um, so you can then fulfill it, there must be a form of um, conscious infatuation and unconscious infatuation, because my understanding is that essentially the greater the infatuation, the greater the void, the, the, the greater rate that you want to fulfill that void. Well, that's polarity, right? So if we look at the scales of polarity or the scales of perception, then the greater the infatuation, yes, the greater the void. You want to actually bring that into your life much quicker the addictive process or the higher the quotient of pain, right? That you want to fulfill with pleasure. So we could say, um, yes, that so if you... at, Well, I'll give you an example then. So at what point would someone go, um, okay, infatuated with money, want to fill that void? At what point would finances go from infatuation to indifference to resentment? Give, give me an example, like, no hearsay stuff. Give me an example. Um, okay, so say I'm infatuated with money. I want a level of money or an income. Mm -hmm. At what point does it step into indifference and then resentment? It must be a, a certain number or, or an energy around the number. So potentially, you know, we're infatuated with, with finances coming in, then we become indifferent to it. So we've consumed, like we filled the bucket full of money right? And then we become indifferent to it. And so therefore, you know, we still keep filling the bucket with money. And we, then we look at like the element of like having too much money can create a lot of resentment. You go nice to billionaires, like the resentment that comes from, from having money, there's drawbacks to having money, but you're just not aware of it. You know, yeah. like if, if you have, you know, a billion dollars, and you're going to have a shit ton of challenges that are associated with that. Yeah. And what you just described was the secret gold sitting in the air for those that are listening of obtaining an objective mind because you said, well, there are a shitload of drawbacks. Now, as a society collectively, most people value or infatuated with wealth or money. So when we really look at when someone does ask, well, what are the drawbacks of having a certain level of money or money? Most people will kind of look at you like you're crazy or you should go to the psych ward because you're like, what do you mean? Like money's just good. And this is this attachment to the form that can show up in family, show up in health or whatever. If you really seek to have a level of governance over that which you wish to obtain or achieve, you will, um, it'll be a, more of a flow energy or state if you can see both sides of what you wish to obtain or achieve in that form mm -hmm. massively mm -hmm. that was a hard that's been a hard journey for me to <laughs> to be to go along and learn but um one that i've now had the direct experience to which is which is awesome it's, it's such a big part of it though isn't it kelly like seeing both sides of something that's actuality yeah and that's where the wisdom lies and that's where true transformation and consciousness, like in the, in the action aspect of consciousness is, is to be able to see both sides. Yeah. And it's whole, it's holistic in nature. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap it up? I'm, I'm sure there's a multitude of different things, but we don't want to blow the fuck out of two, the people's minds too much. You know, so let's just leave it at that today. 
That's right. I'll, I'll chuck in some um, some show notes around. Um, I think I'll chuck one in about conscious capitalism in there, Kelly. But is there any other resources or books that you recommend just around, um, or let's call it objectivity or conscious business or anything that we've discussed today that, that intuitively comes to mind? Well, in, we can go to looking at you know the book that I did mention earlier on with Keith Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid. The road, and, yeah. yeah, and you know anything that you can read on conscious entrepreneurship, I think would be ideal, really ideal. There's a beautiful little book that I love to teach people about holocracies, and it's called The Starfish and the Spider. Okay, who's that by? Do you know? Oh, I can't remember, but I just yeah. googled that; it'll come up. All right, um, I'll put those three books. It's, it's a beautiful understanding of holocracy in that format the starfish and the spider mm-hmm. perhaps i'll read that one as well then I read perhaps that you will benji perhaps you'll start to consume <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it the knowledge <laughs> all right thank you guys and to be able to uh work with us going forward from here is the taurus consulting group and yep. that's taurusconsulting.io and from Inside of that is a group of conscious uh, consultants, polymaths by nature, that can bring a holistic approach to your business. Perfect. Love it. Awesome. Thanks for your time again, Kelly, and sharing wisdom and knowledge. And thanks for all to you for listening and, and, show, and following the journey. So we'll see you next time on the Human Source Codex. Cheers, guys. Bye.